Hi, I'm Alan Altman. And I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z. everybody and welcome to billy joel a to z today we are talking about the song i go to extremes i go to extremes is the fourth track off billy's 11th studio album stormfront and the song was the second track released off of the album as a single in december of 1989 i go to extremes went all the way to number six on the Billboard charts on March 17th, 1990. And besides the Stormfront album, I Go to Extremes also appears on the Greatest Hits Volume 3, 2000 Years of the Millennium Concert, and the DVD of Live from Yankee Stadium. And, as if that's not enough, a live, previously unreleased version can be found on the My Lives album compilation. The song was also released for the video game Rock Band 3, as part of the Billy Joel Piano Challenge Pack. <laughs> it is only the second song we've discussed from the Stormfront album after 43 episodes. And suffice it to say, it is not We Didn't Start the Fire or Allentown, but after all of that said, it is clear we are dealing with a legitimate hit, or at the very least, a fan favorite. So that leads us to believe what will Christopher Bonanno say, Elon? Well, this may be a hit, but I feel like this is a non-Bananos kind of hit. I'm going to say he doesn't like it. I'm going to go with 82. Well, you're right in a way and you're wrong. You're off. It's 56. And he says, as catchy as a single ever was, but not a very interesting idea. So you were completely correct, but he puts it up a little higher because, you know, what are you going to do if a song's number six? Yeah, it's a big hit. I, I get it. It's a conundrum. Right. And Glenn Gamboa puts it at 22. One below from the one we did last week. I don't want to be alone. And he just says there's something cathartic about listening to Joel scream. I don't know why repeatedly. All this <laughs> band rages eloquently behind him with a wall of rock sound, especially when it comes after he admits that he understands his mood swings are tough to deal with. The fans rank it at a pretty good 36 out of 121 songs. And to commemorate the video, Elon today is wearing dark sunglasses. I am sure that's what it was. We didn't discuss it when you came on. And I said, I know why he's wearing those glasses. <laughs> he's doing it to mock <laughs> the video. <laughs> hey, what could I say? Right at this moment, I'm totally cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that video, you know, Billy's in his Wayfarers and so is Liberty DeVito because there must have been like a two for one sale on sunglasses. <laughs> Yeah, that video sucks. <laughs> I love the Wikipedia description of the video. What's that? Wikipedia says the music video consists of Joel playing with musicians in a room. 
that that music video is so goddamn bad. It's so bad for so many reasons. You know, all right, Alon, let's just get into it. I never liked this song. Uh, I know, I think everybody's going to be against me on this. This seems to be a very big fan favorite. I'm pretty sure the reason I didn't like it was because in 1989, that was a bad time for me. And the song just wasn't working for whatever it was saying or the message and the music just wasn't working. So I think it's a time element because now after re-listening to it and never, never wanted to listen to it again, I like it a little more, but I still don't like it. As a matter of fact, a perfect example was what was written about the song in 1989 by the Miami Herald, who believed that the song, whoever the uh, author was, who believed that the song had potential to be a great song, but was still disappointed. I feel that is exactly what I go to extremes says to me. Yeah, I feel the same way. It's, I get that it's a hit. It's really catchy, but it feels like it doesn't have any soul or heart. And I don't think he plays it a lot live. I don't think I would be happy if I heard him playing this live. I'd rather there be another song in there. I know what you're saying right there. It doesn't have any soul or heart. Yeah, there's something missing. You know, with a Billy Joel song, you're always going to get something catchy, even if you don't like it. So that is this song. But there's something missing about this song that I never liked since 1989. And I can't put my finger on what it is. And the video was no help. And let me tell you something about this director. This Paula Grief. She doesn't even do videos anymore. She 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 makes sculptures or uh, ceramics. She got <laughs> booted out of the video business because all her videos stink. And you can see the pattern of her video. I mean, they're I guess you could say they're artistic, but they're always in stupid black and white and some color. And they're just they're, they're, they stink. They're just awful. There's no substance to it. She did the Duran Duran Notorious and the Smiths. How soon is now? And they're all the exact same. And for me, the video makes it worse. And why is he wearing the leather jacket and glasses? Besides that one line, this time I'm totally cool. What I thought we got rid of the leather jacket after an innocent man. Yeah, I don't know. It's like, it's just, I think it's bad advice. It's like, you got to look cool for this because it's your cool song and you're totally hip. Whatever it is, it makes him look like a real poser, I think, to have the yeah. leather jacket and the glasses and to be rocking out so hard to a song that doesn't feel like it deserves it. Rocking out so hard to a song that does not deserve it. That is the that should be the quote <laughs> that should be on the uh, top of the podcast list. You're absolutely right. It must have been this woman who's awful, an awful video director with awful advice, because what did we just say? last week and uh, or whatever the last podcast i i don't want to be alone or again with gary goldman he we like billy joel because he's not cool so we don't need what you said exactly quote a poser playing the role of somebody cool and again you know the, when he was wearing the leather jacket and an innocent man on the cover of the album we let it go because we got the message you know, that that's what the album's about. It's the 50s. It's the greasers. You yeah. know, we, we it made sense. And that should be the end of Billy Joel ever wearing a leather jacket. I'm with you on that. And I think this is the kind of song that Billy Joel haters can latch on to. You know, it's it's a I think it's a net negative for Billy Joel because they can be like, look at that. I go to extremes like I'm so cool. It's like a corny kind of song. It's It's really hard to tell people how great Billy Joel is if they point to a song like this. And I'm not saying it's a bad song. I think it's a problem with maybe the whole Stormfront period where these songs were big, overproduced, and um, going for big anthemic things 
because he was playing huge stadiums. He needed songs like this where the whole band could really be rocking out and he could do his thing at the end where he yes, improvises but, a bit. But we said that he discovered that with Glass Houses. So then he took it back with Nylon Curtain, but then, you know, coming back with it. Yeah, then he amped it up even higher. He had to go big, big, big. It was This is after the Russia tour. Yeah, yeah, I guess that's where it comes from. But yeah, this song, I'm glad you feel similar. I mean, I feel bad because it seems like it's a kind of a big fan favorite. You know, you look it up online, people are like, I love this song, I love this song. I just don't know what their ages are. And like you said, he plays it live all the time. Now, quite frankly, in the one that I saw live, which is from the River of Dreams tour, there's a great bass line in that. And I looked it up. There's this guy, T-Bone Walk, but not T-Bone Walker, who does the bass. And he was bassist for like Hall & Oates, and he was in the Saturday Night Live band. And you can tell the bass line is fantastic. There's a difference. This guy is really, really special. And so I do like that particular live version. And also at the end when he uh, plays the uh, Yankee Doodle and then the ass playing, which he seems to like to really do a lot. So then <laughs> the it becomes play. <laughs> right. Then Elon, doesn't it become clear in a way when you see the ass play, <laughs> he's banging his ass on the keyboards that the reason he's doing this song live is he just has a good time with it. I actually feel like he doesn't have a great time until he gets to the end when he can do those things to the piano. I feel like he kind of goes through the motions a bit until he can finally, in that last minute, the band's rocking out. He's rocking out. He could do his Yankee Doodle Dandy. He could play with his butt, which he still does. Even if you look at the one from 2018, he's playing with his butt, even though he's gained some weight. That, the piano holds up. Alon, that's his 70th birthday. No wonder he's doing that song. He's like, let me show everybody I still can do this. Yeah, still got it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think he does enjoy it. He changes the lyrics of the song sometimes. There's the one on, on the My Lives from L.A. in 1990 where he says, um, I don't know why I go for ice cream. Right, right, right. <laughs> right. He changes the lyrics. He has fun with this song. So he, he must love it. I agree with you at the beginning when it, he seems like he's going through the motions for real. And then he really gets into it at the end. And that must be where the joy comes in. He goes at the end, like, oh, my God, I, I go to streams. It was amazing tonight. But when he's sitting there playing it at the beginning, he goes, I don't know why I keep choosing this song. And then it <laughs> seems like it's something changes in his head where he's only remembering the fun he had. And the and listen, every time we're going to go see that show, if he's pressing his ass on those keys, we're, we're going to love every minute of it. Yeah, that's going to be the best part. Even if I don't like the song so much, once he gets to that final moment and uses his ass, I'm going to be like, yeah, Billy's butt. Yeah. And uh, also, I noticed, and this is before I even looked it up, I know, you know, in that video, I see all these women in there, right? So I find that um, that Crystal uh, Taliaferro, she's the uh, one who's doing the bongos. Yeah. <laughs> so I didn't look her up at first because I was looking because I was like, wow, there's a lot of women in this video. Now, I believe that the other women in the, in the video, besides the ones who do backup vocals, who are playing guitars and bass. That is just for video. There are no women in the band besides this one crystal. Yeah, what is this? I was like, that's strange because those are not his usual music musicians. No, no, but, they're um, posers for the music video. It probably came out after the Robert Palmer. Yes, video, that's what it is. Uh, addicted to love and uh, Jesus Christ. They, you know, everybody was probably be like, no, you gotta. Billy, Billy, buddy, it's 1989, baby. 
you got to do, you know, yeah. women's that, lib, man. It's right. still a thing. <laughs> the casting. Well, women's lib would be the furthest thing from anybody's mind after they addicted to love video. So I think it's just, you know, the the uh, central casting agent version of like Billy Bobola. We got to do that. We got to have the women instrument players. It's the new thing, baby. Well, whatever you say, especially if a woman's presenting the idea, if it is this Paula grief, the worst video director in history. But uh, the thing, so I looked up, right, so there's no women musicians in it, so they obviously put it in, except for this girl, Crystal, who he hired for the Stormfront tour, who still plays with him to this day. And you probably noticed when he begins the song, which I noticed with without even knowing anything about this girl, I noticed it right then I read that it was a thing. Call me a joke, call me a fool. This is the beginning of the song, right? Right at this mm -hmm. moment, I'm totally cool. Clear as a crystal! He yells that out because he's talking about the girl, Crystal. Yeah, that's a nice tribute. It is a nice uh, tribute. Sharp as a knife. I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. That's a huge line for people. Clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife. People really like those lyrics a lot, so much so that uh, you probably heard about Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, I think that's why I have a bad feeling about the song, because I remember that story 10 years ago, and I was like, this is the song she puts on her body? She tattooed those lyrics on herself. She tattooed all of, I mean, all of them. Clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife. I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. Imagine she did all the entire it. song. Just <laughs> yeah, but that's what it, right. 12 I choruses. I would have gone clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife. I would not have put, I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. I would have said, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I've been better. Don't you want to finish the rest of the lyrics? No, no, no I'm good. Yeah, and yeah. apparently uh, it, the song to her represented where she was in her life and everything she's been through, and it signifies that she's focused. Well, when did which you we know, know she, was not true? She was right. Not I know. Do you know when she got that done? That's what I'm trying to figure. 2011. Out. Oh, 2011. So I'm this gonna... is the height of her tabloid falling from grace situation. But I met her during that time, and she couldn't have been the nicer person. And totally, I, I know because I, I, now I, I can look at the timeline. It must have been around then because, and I don't want to get into it, but I was going to jail too. <laughs> and I met her with uh, Sarah Silverman. They lived in the same building. So we ran into her. Mm -hmm. We were, you know, together, Sarah and I. And she goes, and she had just gotten out of jail. And he goes, oh, this is Dave. He's going to jail next week as soon as he gets home. <laughs> like, like I was scheduled to go to jail like i was turning myself in or something like you know she goes and she thought we were kidding and she goes no 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 he's not kidding <laughs> like so we totally bonded which is a ridiculous thing to bond over but she was so nice so sweet so pretty and i have another story about that for another time oh man i really want to hear more so she probably thought you were a real bad boy you're going to prison yeah yeah no i gotta tell you yeah i i just remembered a whole story about that that yeah I, I, it's not, I mean, maybe, maybe I'll tell it on one of the wrap ups. In fact, I'll, I'll, t I'll tell it on the I wrap up. It's okay, man, that story. is, it's everyone's got to listen to the I wrap up now because where <laughs> no, could this story go? At least there's a reason to listen to the goddamn wrap up, right? <laughs> it's a good one, too. It's a really classic. Oh, so yeah, uh, they also say, you know, so this song is about manic depression, as, which is our favorite topic, <laughs> which again is probably why I like Billy Joel. It's definitely why Gary Goldman likes Billy Joel. I'm not exactly sure why you like it. I know that's why my friend Danny Vermont likes it. We were all very depressed, manic depressive. You don't seem like that kind of person. So I just like it for the sunglasses. Yeah. Well, it just seems like you like Billy Joel for why most people like Billy Joel. They're, maybe they're not looking into the songs for help. But, uh, you know, that's what makes him so great. He's writing very depressing songs, but completely catchy. 
And then, I mean, but the lyrics are great anyway. I mean, even the bad ones like this, you can sit there. You're going to know the opening lyrics. Call me a joke. Call me a fool right at this moment. I'm totally cool. <laughs> yeah, this one's super know. catchy. So, yeah, it's good. And it's not but, just about manic depression, but also about, I guess, he was apologizing to Christy Brinkley for some kind of fight. Apparently. He has a lot of songs like that. He's always he getting a, into issues with his spouses or girlfriends and then has to write songs to kind of apologize for his behavior. Well, that's all music. Well, most musicians, I guess they don't apologize. They just call them bitches all the time. So this was kind of sweet. <laughs> and the thing is, what a lot of people say is at the end of the song, when he's going crazy on the piano, it is congruent <laughs> with the lyrical theme as he uses the whole keyboard range going back and forth from the extreme high and the extreme low notes. Hello. Whoa. I wonder if that's on purpose or Billy's just like, I was just playing like crazy. And, you know, people interpret it that way. Maybe, but I think there's a purpose to it in the sense of you're writing a song, I go to extremes, and then you're going to do something extreme. I think in the back of his mind, he's thinking, yeah, I'm going to go from the high notes to the low notes. I, th I think somebody like him does think of something like that once in a while. I buy that. He's very deep, you know. I know he is, as you can tell from the lyrics of this song there. As you can tell from his drinking and motorcycle riding and crashing. <laughs> <laughs> He's the worst. Well, he has that line about like leaving the scene of the crime. And I'm like, is that about uh, his hit and run situations? His situations. Think about that. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the cops because, pull him over. He's like, I go to extremes. And they're like, Billy, uh, don't do it you, again. Listen, you know, that's a thing. He could leave the scene of any, he could, you know, here's a guy. If as long as he commits that murder in Long Island, he's good to go. <laughs> There'd be no OJ situation here. He'll still be beloved as long as it's in Long Island. Yeah, he has like 12 get out of jail free cards in Long Island. Yeah, the only problem where OJ messed up is he killed two people. He killed an innocent waiter. You know, if he just killed his wife, people would be like, OJ, you son of a bitch. You're the <laughs> best. <on> the wrist. <laughs> but in, in Long Island, Billy Joel could probably do the exact same thing and everybody would be like, hey, it's Billy. You know him. He's, he's manic depressive. It says it in the songs. Yeah, I think Christy Brinkley is lucky she got out alive. <laughs> See, you're not expecting OJ to go crazy. He seemed like a fun guy. You're expecting it from Billy Joel. The guy's a mess. <laughs> we should have saw this coming. <laughs> No wonder Lindsay Lohan likes him. And she's a fellow Long Islander. It all is adding up. That's true. Yeah, it, it, he is her local superstar. So of all people to put on her body, I think she made a good choice. I think she's terrific. I think she's a perfect person for me to go out with, quite frankly. I think you guys got to rekindle this thing. I think let's get her on the podcast so you have a reason to talk to her again. I think the odd thing is that we probably could get her on the podcast at this point. I mean, I don't know what she's doing, but uh, she is rather interesting. And, you know, the thing about her is you really can't blame her. I also met her mother and she's crazy. And while she was in jail, her mother was playing on the tennis courts, staying at her place at Lindsay's place. Well, you know, she's got to be there to exercise the gaskets. Yeah. <laughs> I know there's a sign phone rush. <laughs> um, but her mother's just playing tennis while her daughter's in jail. So, you know, if the father keeps getting busted on cocaine charges and the mother is playing tennis while her daughter's in jail, you know, you're probably not going to be brought up in just the perfect way. So a lot of times you just can't blame her. We know the parents are crazy. And as you know, my favorite line in Back to the Future is <laughs> comes from upbringing. Parents are probably idiots, too. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. Alon, I don't know whether you, you know, I looked up and there's like for such a strong song, there's like really no covers to this song. Like nobody's done a cover 
or mm-hmm. like you know like uh like we found honesty your beyonce done a cover of stuff yeah people seem to stay away from this one the only one i know of is the paul anka cover oh which my God, is a that. swinging lounge version Oh, that's a disaster. That's an embarrassment to anybody that's ever done a cover. Remember how I enjoyed the Donny Osmond get it right the first time one? <laughs> this is the opposite of that. This is really bad. Call me a joker. Call me a fool. Right at this moment, I'm totally cool. Clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife. I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. Sometimes it feels I'm going too fast. I don't know how long this feeling will last. Maybe it's only tonight. Darling, I don't know why I go to extreme. Yeah, it's uh it's very cringeworthy. Um it does make you appreciate the original version of the song. It sure does. Yeah, this, this yeah, if you're going to do a maybe that's why nobody's done one. It's maybe it's not worthy of any kind of cover. It's bad. That's a that Paul Anka one is not good. And I, as far as I know, he never even plays anything with his butt. So <laughs> does he deserve to cover the song? I don't think so. I don't know. Paul Anka is an interesting guy. He covered a bunch of metal songs a couple of years back, too. And he just just does whatever he wants. But yeah. This doesn't work for me. I don't know who it worked for or who it was made for, but whatever. What what is I know you said they Billy Joel plays it a lot live. Yeah, so this is the, the this is the twenty-first most played song. He's played it three hundred and twenty-nine times. So the twenty-first song. Yeah, he loves playing this song. And uh, the question is, does the audience care? I don't know. But we know there are a lot of fans of this song, and I don't know what their age groups are. I don't think anybody in my age group cares for it, but I think people who latched on a little later, like yourself, but although you're saying it's not one of your favorites, so I don't know who likes it. Yeah, well, oftentimes it seems he'll do this as one of those fielder's choice things where he'll say, do you want to hear this or do you want to hear that? And um, actually, in the most recent concert he did, which was just last month, he used this and say goodbye to Hollywood as the two options. And the crowd chose say goodbye to Hollywood. Of course they chose it. That's not even a fair thing. It's like, I thought he was going to choose this and the, the, the reggae song. All you want to do is dance. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually that's funny because in 2018, there's a video of him playing this live in at MSG May, 2018. And he does the two choices thing. And he says, uh, these are both from the Stormfront album. He says the first one is the title song Stormfront and the crowd gives like a tepid response. And then Billy says, yeah, well, I knew that wouldn't win unless we came up with something shittier than that one. <laughs> and then he says, and the other one is I go to extremes. And of course, people are much more into that. Jesus Christ. How do you not love this guy? He just makes fun of himself. He's always been really funny. It's exactly why we like him. Isn't that great? He yeah. Makes- Well, Dave, it's time for the trivia portion of the show. Do you have a stumper for me? All right, I got an interesting one. In 2018, while at MSG, Billy Joel let someone actually sit at his piano during the concert and play one of this particular person's massive hits, something he never let Phil Ramone do. Who was it? 
2018 MSG, he let someone else play one of their own songs. Sit at his piano while he went, got up, maybe went to the bathroom. <laughs> the honor of him getting up, letting this person play. Is this person known for piano? No. There was a hint in the question. Oh, okay. So you said Phil Ramone didn't get to. So is it, it's, is it um, Joey Ramone? Now he was dead already. Jesus Christ. Bill Ramone never did this. What, what kind of hint is that? Well, it's pretty easy putting Phil Ramone in it. All right. Would it be better if I said he never let Phil Ramone or Danny Kochner do it? So he let Artie Rip play a song? Oh, my God. <laughs> or Artie Rip. <laughs> like only one other choice. Who else? Oh, the producer uh, of this album. I thought Phil Ramone didn't produce this album. No. Mick Jones. Oh, Mick Jones. From? The Faces? Yeah. Mick Jones from Foreigner? Yes. <laughs> so him and Lou Graham get up. and Lou, they... Lou Grant from the Mary Tyler Moore show? Lou Graham. <laughs> and they uh, get up and they do Urgent with Billy playing. And then Billy gets up and he lets Mick sit at the piano. And they do Cold as Ice. Awesome. Well, it would have been awesome, but Lou Graham looks awful and it was terrifying. But other than that, it was it was technically awesome. <laughs> That's but, pretty uh, cool. I yeah, saw Foreigner Live. They're they're great. Yeah, they are great. And uh again, it makes sense when you think about it. Remember, Foreigner is based on anthemic rock. So it did this song, this album makes a lot of sense. You have a producer like this who makes song like these. I want to know what love is, you know, like that kind of stuff and urgent and all those kind of hard rocking, you know, big arena songs, arena rock. Foreigner almost invented arena rock, but I've never seen Billy get up and let somebody play his piano. So that was shocking. Yeah, that's the ultimate sign of respect. You don't think he even with Elton John or Elton had his own piano, so it was never an issue. Exactly. And it was a sign of respect, of respect of a guy who's like, well, I'm, I'm about to sing this song from the album he produced. You know, I mean, there's got to be a sign of respect there. Yeah. And obviously he wanted to take it down on the next album and say, I don't want so much anthem. So let me go to another. You know, we know that is the fact it had nothing to do with Mick Jones. He goes, I want to do something a little more quiet into the river of dreams. Anyway, do you have a question for me? Yeah. My question is what Frank Sinatra song that was also the name of a Frank Sinatra documentary is a lyric in this song. I feel like it's like, I feel like I'm in the prime of my life. It's not it. Because when I hear that lyric, I think of Sinatra, but I don't, I don't have the lyrics up in front of me. Can I look? Yeah. Look at the lyrics. And this is, this was the name of a, a Frank Sinatra documentary that was on HBO. Yeah, I don't need any more information. I can figure it out from the, I'm positive. I can figure this out. Okay. Out of the darkness into the light. Nope. Then I got nothing. All right. The song is called All or Nothing at All. Yeah, that's. Yeah, I guess they do say it multiple times. All right. And what's interesting about the Frank Sinatra song, All or Nothing at All, is it also includes a lyric. There ain't no in between. Mm. Just like this song. And what's the song that I hate that he did in 2007? All of me. All my life. All my life. Right. I'm thinking of all of Right. I'm thinking of uh, it's Sinatra-esque like song. So he obviously loves Sinatra, too, as we know. Yeah. 
there's no way you have a parody for this song. Well, it's hard. Billy Joel himself has parodies of this song. He's he's already taken up the good ones. I go for ice cream. I got a new wife on the cover of life. (laughs) These are all things he's done in concert with this song. So what's your plan today? My plan is called I go to Arby's. (laughs) Oh, Jesus. You know, you're a thin guy. For you to have all these songs about Wendy's and Arby's and all these kind of places, you've done an ice cream one and you have a lot of food references. It's very strange. seems like that's exactly what I would do. Well, I think it's because, you know, I'm really inspired by Weird Al and he would always go with the food angle. That's that's a really great way to go with the parody. All right. That makes sense then. Go on. Personally, I don't like Arby's. My dad's a big no, fan of No, of course Arby's. you don't. You're, you don't. Yeah. And I've seen your dad and that makes a lot of sense. <laughs> I'm a big Arby's fan, too. <laughs> All right, here we go. Call me a joker. Call me a fool. I'm headed to Arby's right after school. Clear as a crystal, sharp as a knife. This pain in my chest might be ending my life. Sometimes it feels like it's racing too fast. This roast beef I'm eating just may be my last. But I'm going to take one more bite. Darling, I don't know why I go to Arby's on their commercial. They say they've got the meats. Their roast beef is like crack. They'll give me my third heart attack. Darling, I don't know why I go to Arby's. Hey, now. Uh, you know, I don't like you making fun of the roast beef. That's my favorite thing at Arby's. So I have a problem with the entire thing. But, uh, you know, you sounded good at the beginning and then it just, uh, you know, peters out. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could take two. I really think I could have hit a high note there. But I. Uh... Oh, no, no, that's uh, there's no need for a second uh, stab at this. You know. <laughs> no, good job. I don't think I put down the uh, roast beef. Roast beef there is great. Arby's, please sponsor us. I just said that maybe it's bad for some people's health. I think people get the message. <laughs> See, it's about like chest pains and heart attacks. Yeah, yeah, we get it. And also, I think the sodium content's probably high. Too. Well, folks, that was I Go to Extremes. If you like our podcast, be sure to go to Apple and give us five stars. We release new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday, so make sure you hit subscribe so you never miss a single song. Follow us on social media at Billy Joel A to Z and give us some feedback. Are you excited to hear Dave's Lindsay Lohan story on the I Wrap Up episode? I am. Do you also think this video stinks? And do you like watching Billy's ass play? Until next time, I'm Alon Altman. I'm Dave Juskow. And this is Billy Joel A to Z.